Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Open Concessions podcast presented by Toyota, featuring a weekly in-depth conversation with a Chicago Cubs-related personality. We are your hosts. I'm Len Casper alongside Jim Deshays. We make up the Cubs television tandem on Marquee Sports Network. And J.D., we're going to do something a little different this week. We've enjoyed all of our guests immensely, and we will continue to do that. But uh, selfishly, we just wanted to uh, chew the fat a little bit this week. So mostly you and me. We will check in with our colleague Taylor McGregor, who is traveling uh, with the Cubs for Marquee Sports Network. But uh, just wanted to to talk about the first week or so uh, of the season. And uh, it's been a roller coaster ride on and off the field already. Yeah, it's just so great to be back and, and uh, be watching meaningful baseball games and having the opportunity to bring them to our fans. Um, but, but this uh, coronavirus obviously is not going to go away. It's going to be an issue throughout what we hope is a 60-game regular season and then, and then the postseason. Um, you know, chatting the other day, and I said that the COVID-19 is now the commissioner of baseball, and it's not acting in the best interest of baseball. It's, it's being a real pain. Pain in the backside, and uh, as we record this on Tuesday morning, I just see a, a note scroll across my television that four more Marlins have tested positive, bringing the total to seventeen uh, for the fish. Yeah, this is this is tricky. Uh, you know, MLB purposely had really big summer camp uh, rosters, up to sixty players. The regular season setup is thirty players. Basically, the first two weeks, 28-player roster for the next two weeks, and then down to 26 for the final month, which would have been the opening day number uh, had we started on time. So a bit of uh, a reverse what we normally see, which which makes a lot of sense. And, and also a three-man taxi squad. So that would be three players uh, with the team at all times in case of some positive tests. However, the Marlins situation far surpassed that. And, uh, you know, we don't know what their season's going to look like. Uh, by the time this podcast runs, there may be more uh, that comes out about it. Um, I, I do wonder if we are able to get the whole regular season in, if it'll be unbalanced in terms of games played, which is tricky because 60 games is not a lot. And if you have one team that plays 55, uh, that matters in terms of finding out the 16-team playoff field. So, you know, the health and, and all of that stuff is paramount, but you know, we are here talking baseball, and uh, that's something they're going to have to sort out. Yeah, and, and I think, that you know, given what's going on with the Marlins, they're going to have to shut that club down for a while, scramble to make up some of these games that they missed. And then uh, you're right, they may not end up – they might not be the only club that doesn't play 60 ball games. So, you know, they're going to have to come up with a minimum, minimum, minimum threshold, you know, 50, 55 games, play some double headers, try to get close to the 60 game number. Rob Manford was quoted as saying, um, you know, this is not a nightmare scenario. He said, we, 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 we were prepared for something like this to happen. Uh, I don't know what number of players on a given team or multiple teams creates the nightmare scenario. Cause uh, it's, it's not a nightmare. It's a bad dream for sure. Um, and, you know, it's just hard to know. And, and I think some clubs are probably taking this a little more seriously than others in terms of um, safety aspects of it. 
and the hope uh, all around the industry is what has gone on with the Marlins will bring any players who were a little loosey-goosey in their behavior, and I'm not accusing anybody of any wrongdoing, but anybody who was inclined to think that this wasn't a dangerous situation, uh, you have to believe they would be on board now uh, and, and would do all the right things. Yeah, and as you said, even doing the right things doesn't guarantee uh, that you're not going to have a, a spread or an outbreak like this just due to the, the traveling circumstances. Um, I, I know the Brewers had six team buses, I think. So, yeah, teams are definitely doing all they can to keep the players uh, out of harm's way while they are, quote, together uh, on the road. But it, it's very, very tricky to do. Uh, beyond the, the, the virus, we're noticing a pileup of injuries and a lot of veteran-type pitchers uh, are, are victims of that. And we might never know if the unique circumstances and the strange schedule and the pretty quick summer camp uh, has anything to do with it. But uh, when you see names like Justin Verlander, and uh, Corey Kluber, among others, uh, it, it is concerning. Yeah, Kluber, uh, shoulder issue, he, he might be done for the year. He's going to shut him down for at least four weeks. Yeah, I'm, I'm not a doctor, obviously. I don't even play one on TV, the medical side of this. <laughs> um, I, I can't speak to it with any expertise, so I'd be bluffing. Um, but what I read, and, and uh, with other short training camps, uh, hockey, baseball, and otherwise, the concern was for more you know, soft tissue type of, of injuries. Um, you know, the, a veteran pitcher, guy, mid-30s, later-30s pitcher who's got a lot of innings on his arm is, is vulnerable to begin with. So that's why it's hard to, to say whether this is due to a, a shortened camp or it's just a pileup of wear and tear on, on these guys. Um, so, yeah, it's, it, and that becomes another part of the equation, too, if a team has significant injuries to frontline players, um, does that change their mindset in terms of, you know, how aggressive they're going to be competing and do guys start to think about opting out and, uh, you know, if, if their concerns for their own health continues to rise. So um, it's a bit of a mess, sure, but it feels good, right? When, when we sit down and put the headsets on, look out at the field or when we're on the road to gaze at the monitors, start doing baseball, uh, even though there's nobody in the ballpark, the game itself feels really good. It feels legit. I think it's great escapism for our fans. Uh, the players obviously are into it. Um, so, you know, despite all the negatives, there's, there's plenty of positives too. Yeah, I agree. Uh, I wanted to get your thoughts on the very late decision to tweak the postseason and not just tweak it, uh, a pretty significant change. 16 teams will make it. Uh, eight from each league, the top two teams from each division, plus uh, the next three best records. There will be no play-in games. They will use a tiebreaker system to determine the field. And it's going to be, you know, three-game series at the higher seed. Uh, I think it's, you know, the three days right after the season to try to keep the postseason schedule on track. So there will be no one-and-done uh, wildcard round. Uh, I think it's good for teams that might not have made it otherwise. I think it's perilous for a team like the Dodgers or the Yankees, uh, who could very well go 40 and 20 uh, and could be in trouble if they lose one to start that series. Uh, they're going to be really nervous. But 
you know, I, I wasn't necessarily on board with the idea when I heard about it, but uh, the more I think about it in this type of season, why not? Yeah, I'm with you. Uh, generally, uh, the fewer teams that qualify for the postseason, the better. My point, my point of view, I, I think uh, really honoring the long regular season is what baseball is all about. Um, but given what's gone on with the virus and just the economics of it. Uh, and this is something the clubs pushed for in their negotiation with the players before we settle on the 60-game schedule. They were hoping for an extra round of playoffs. Um, the players didn't yield initially, and they went back to the table apparently and struck this deal. So it's a little more money for the players. It's more money for the clubs. And given the economics of the situation, uh, I think it's, it's, it's good. I, you hope everybody can, can make a few bucks um, and, and help the bottom line. So for this year, I'm on board, and maybe even next year. Uh, and expanded playoffs, I think, is a good idea. Uh, beyond that, I, I hope they scale it back um, to a more normal look. Uh, and then the other piece of it that you talked about, yeah, find a way to make sure you weight it so that the best teams have the best chance of coming out of a short series. Because you mentioned anything can happen in a short series. The fact that they're all home games for the top seed is good. Uh, I might have even, you know, embraced an idea of the top teams you know, when they play an eight seed, um, they just have to win one of the three, you know, something like that. But that's going to impact the TV money that come along with the series. So more games means more money. Um, and, and I think that's a good thing. I believe it was Joel Sherman uh, who said the idea should have been the low seed in that first round. So the five through eight, the road team had to win the first game. So basically, the first game for the for the lower seed would be an elimination game, and while that might cut down on television inventory, as he noted, and he's right, TV networks like elimination games, and that might have answered your your competitive question. You know, if the Dodgers host, uh, let's say the uh, Diamondbacks, uh, Diamondbacks are the eight seed, the Dodgers are the one. The Diamondbacks have to win game one just to stay in the series. That'd be intriguing. Yeah. yeah. Stay alive game. Yeah, a little bit more like yeah. co the college uh, World Series. And mm -hmm. uh, so, you know, uh, yeah, uh, who knows? They could tweak it before the playoffs start. Uh, <laughs> I think anything is possible this year. Other rules changes we have discussed a lot. Uh, the three batter minimum rule, and it has already uh, created a lot of strategic uh, chats that we've had during games. Yeah, uh, um, I, I, I'm on board with this. I, I think it's kind of fun to play that game. But well, under the old rules, they would have done this. Under these current rules, they can't. And I think it's going to provide some opportunities for the hitting team to have some matchup advantages that they did not have in the past. When the manager you know, could play that game of left, right, left, right, just afraid of, of, of guys coming out of the bullpen to face one hitter at a time, it was really difficult to find a, a good matchup for the, for the hitting club. So I think you're going to see more uh, at-bats late in games for, you know, star players, star caliber position players with a platoon advantage than we've seen in the past. Um, and I think that's that's going to be a lot of fun. So, you know, with the, with the expanded rosters, we're seeing a ton of pitchers in these games already. Um, but I think the, the stated goal was to improve the flow of the game and I think once we get down to a more workable roster size, um, fewer mid-inning pitching changes, I think, will be enjoyable for the fans. Because I, I think that's what frustrated fans, right? 
manager makes a move, guy comes jogging out of the bullpen, takes warm-up pitches. You've still got a certain amount of dead time that comes with that. Uh, Seven-pitch at bat, gets an out. Boom, here comes the manager out to make another pitching change. You can just hear this kind of collective groan in the stands. Or, oh, again? Really? Um, so we're not going to have as much as that of that. No, that's right. Um, you know, and I think fans are still getting used to it, probably screaming at their television when a guy doesn't have it and walks the first two and that pitcher cannot come out of the game. Uh, I theorized over the winter and I got clarification on this rule. A mid-batter pitching change, so let's say the count is 3-0 and and you make a change, assuming that that pitcher who was in the game had already faced at least three and was good to, to be taken out. The new guy coming in inherits that batter. That becomes batter number one. So if it's a bad matchup or you're facing a really good hitter, uh, like a Mike Trout or somebody, and you're kind of pitching around him, you could theoretically bring in the new pitcher or for an intentional walk, if you wanted to do that, you bring in the new pitcher to do that. And that's the first batter. I think there, there are ways to not necessarily exploit the loophole, but maybe get a little closer to that three batter thing. Yeah. I, I think you're spot on. I think we're going to see that, you know, and that's, I'm sure the, the analytics departments of all these clubs are, are running through all kinds of scenarios, talking about different um, in-game situations. And you see the, the scenario, right? Where, well, we're going to try to get Mike Trout out and we're going to try to get him a chase this pitch out off the plate. And he, ball one, ball two, and then typically you look over, the manager would flash the four fingers. Let's go ahead and put them on. Uh, that would be the ideal situation to do exactly what you said. Let's Okay, let's bring uh, bring the guy out of the bullpen to be the guy standing out there when they put him on base, and he's already clicked one off his, off his uh, batter count. <laughs> right. All right, let's uh, do a little Cubs stuff. Uh, we'll have to keep it kind of general because uh, this will run – couple of days after we record it and things change daily. But the big takeaway early is that this this club should score a lot of runs. Yeah. Um, you know, as we do this, KB hasn't had a whole lot of luck at the play yet, but I love to look at the lineup with, with KB uh, one, Anthony two, um, dangerous hitters at the top of the batting order present a particular problem for starting pitchers. You know, when you start a game as, you know, especially on the road, um, it's a little different, a little unfamiliar. And when you've got a, you know, the old school leadoff guy, speed guy, a little scrappy guy, um, you can be really aggressive and feel pretty comfortable. He's not going to hurt you. Well, you can't feel that way when you're facing Chris Bryant. So I think this club has got a chance to really do a lot of damage early, you know, get the jump on teams in that very first inning with two dangerous high on base, high slug guys, one, two in the batting order. I love what Rossi's done there. I like the balance left-right as you work your way through the lineup. I like the look that we're seeing from Schwarber and Happ here early on. Um, I think this lineup is going to be deeper uh, than we've seen. Obviously, it's going to be deeper because there's a DH and not a pitcher hitting. Uh, but And Petraeus looks like he's going to have a monster season. So, uh, yeah, I, I think run scoring is not going to be an issue. Bullpen is a work in progress, but you know the opener was incredible. Kyle Hendricks didn't need any bullpen. Uh, if if there's going to be a game from this 2020 uh, season that we will never forget, I think it's the first one. Yeah, how about that? Cubs through one complete game all last year, and it was Kyle Hendricks. And uh, opening night, he comes out and, and 
which is just a beautiful game. Something that has never happened before, as a matter of fact. Uh, I put this to our good buddy Jason Stark. I said, okay, man, I got one for you. Pitcher goes complete game, allows three base runners, uh, three hits, all to the same guy batting in the nine hole. It had never happened before. So he was uh, Orlando Arcia away from a perfect game. Uh, it was just a beautiful effort by Hendrick. So much fun to watch. Uh, a master at work. We are going to chat with Taylor McGregor, who is traveling with the Cubs, and get her thoughts on this unique uh, 2020 season. But before we bring Taylor in, we will hear a quick word from our sponsor. Dear adventurers, enjoy a summer of excitement with Toyota. Keep it wild in the rugged 4Runner. With its heritage of toughness, the 4Runner is ready for just about anything. Take charge in the 2020 Camry and conquer mountain roads with its available all-wheel drive. Or plan an epic road trip and get comfy while you cruise with your crew in the roomy Highlander Hybrid. And drive confidently all the way with electric on-demand all-wheel drive. Whichever you choose in a Toyota, you're sure to make the most of summer. Soak it up, Toyota. Visit your local Toyota dealer or toyota.com to learn more. Taylor McGregor is a new part of our broadcast on television on Marquee Sports Network, and we had a chance to chat with her about traveling with the Cubs. Taylor, how are you today? Thanks for joining us. Hey, good. You know, after the game last night with the rain delay, uh, lengthier game. Woke up this morning a little bit tired, but ready to roll again here today. Yeah, so we wanted to, uh, first of all, congratulate you on uh, becoming uh, a big part of Marquee Sports Network's coverage. And you are in a unique position this year in that you're the only person from our crew uh, who is traveling uh, to all the road games this year. So uh, I know you just got started. Um, but a little surreal, right? Uh, what What's kind of the first thing that stands out other than having to fly on your own? Well, I appreciate you you guys welcoming me with big open arms uh, because the transition, anytime you leave, you know, old jobs, it can be a little scary, but you guys have made this transition really easy. Now, when it comes to the state of our world with COVID-19, that's where the challenges certainly have come. And I think first and foremost for me, what's been different so far is just trying to get access to players. It's not the same as it usually would where you could walk into the clubhouse and talk to four or five different guys and, you know, get different storylines heading into that night's broadcast. We have to schedule these Zoom calls and schedule everything that we do. So it makes it harder to just come up with some of the random stories we might have picked up on had coronavirus um, not hit. Now, when it comes to traveling, yesterday morning did fly out here the same day of the game, which is what the players did, but definitely different for me, even though I'm not quite as routine oriented as the players, just the fact that I traveled on the day of the game was different for me and um, had to drink a little bit more coffee <laughs> to keep going all day long. Um, but it was good. And and then being at the ballpark was the besides in Chicago going to guaranteed rate, 
Um, this is the first road trip we've been on. So just trying to learn how everything is done here at Great American Ballpark. Yeah, you know, and it's JD can chime in on on the remote broadcast part of it, but uh, you know, I do think it's it's important to have uh, a physical presence uh, at the actual ballpark, and uh, you know, you can see stuff that we can't. Uh, and while you do have to do the Zoom things, I do think being uh, around the team is helpful for you and definitely uh, for us. Uh, JD, how are you feeling? You know, we've only done a couple of these uh, at the time of this recording, the remote broadcast, but uh, it's different. It, it is different, but but it's certainly doable. Um, I, I get the, the, the funniest part is I, I keep reacting to foul balls when I'm looking at a monitor and the ball is <laughs> straight back. And I'm like, Here comes one to the booth. And I'll kind of throw my hand up and I go, wait a minute, but that's like hundreds of miles away from us. <laughs> but, you know, hopefully I can get over that. Um, yeah. And, and just, you know, and I think it's great having Taylor there because there will be times when we don't see something that she'll be able to pick up on uh, and say, no, no, that's not what's happening here. Uh, uh, you know, I think, I think our guys are doing a great job in the truck giving us the pictures. Um, you know, when we're on the road, we don't have control of many cameras, typically one. Um, so we have to react to what we see, which is being given from the, the home feed. Um, and there, like there was an instance in the ball game last night. We had bases loaded, uh, or the Reds had the bases loaded there in the ninth, uh, in that wacky ninth inning. And uh, we didn't really get a, a tight shot of you know where our infielders were deployed. And typically, if we were at home, that's a shot we would get or you know would ask for. And they say, hey, let's let's see how we're playing it here. So you're at the mercy a little bit of, of, of that, but. Um, Given everything else, just being able to do games is 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 great fun, and I I just hope uh, we keep this train on the tracks and, and and get through all sixty games. Yeah, Taylor. So that's you know I think the the big question I have for you uh, in talking and and being on all these Zoom calls with players and and coaches and the manager and and hearing other people around the league. I'm definitely sensing that everyone's taking this incredibly seriously. I think the Marlins situation made everyone double down a little bit uh, on that. Uh, do you sense that uh, things might change a little bit due to what happened and there'll be a little extra caution? We saw Chris Bryant put a mask on when he uh, got on base uh, Monday night. Yeah, I I think it'll kind of revert to where they were maybe when they came into summer camp. Because when you came into summer camp, there was so much uncertainty. There were all these new protocols that were incredibly strict. And I think at the time, everybody was taking them very seriously. Now, I'm not saying they're not taking them seriously now. But I think human nature is if you get all these tests back and they're all negative, you kind of maybe take your guard down just a tad. But that Marlin situation was a reminder to everybody that you cannot do that. Um, and especially with the way that the tests are structured with that 48-hour period, you just really have to be careful. And so I, I do sense a little bit of just, again, a heightened awareness of we are playing in the middle of a pandemic and we do need to take this really seriously. You heard Ian Happ say, we treat everybody like they're positive. And that is something that is come into to hyper focus in light of everything that's happening down there in South Florida. Uh, the, really, the last thing I have for you, and I, it would be great if maybe we periodically, uh, maybe once a month, Taylor, we could uh, have you on the podcast just to kind of get get everyone up to date and see how you're doing and and how life on the road is. Uh, so thank you uh, for doing this today. But um, 
give me the uh, the thought on coming to Chicago and being around the Cubs. And now that you're in it, because I know you and I had a lot of conversations in March. Uh, it's different here, isn't it? Everyone cares so deeply about the Cubs, whether they win, whether they lose. Uh, everything seems to matter. And uh, as someone experiencing it for the first time, I'm, I'm curious to get your initial thoughts. Yeah, my initial thoughts are just check my Twitter mentions during the game because before, you know, you could go to a whole broadcast and wouldn't get much. And now people are tweeting, did you see this? Did you see that? I can't believe they did this. I can't believe they did that. And to me, that's what makes our jobs enjoyable is you want to be a part of something that people care about and care about to an incredibly high level. I mean, Cub fans are so passionate, as you both know. And so to me, that's what's really exciting. And it's been a lot of fun to be on board with that and um, be a part of this huge, huge fan base um, that the Cubs have in this world-class organization. So super thankful to be in Chicago, albeit a little bit different with the coronavirus, but I look forward to years to come. All right, safe travels and uh, stay healthy. And uh, we will see you uh, this weekend, Pirates and Cubs. Thanks, Taylor. All right, thank you. And uh, Taylor, stay away from that skyline chili over there in Cincinnati. <laughs> Yesterday, I was walking downtown trying to find some food, and I asked I asked this lady where I should go. She pointed me there, and I I didn't go. So I I have stayed away for now. <laughs> yeah, maybe try it because you got to experience it once. That's okay. right. Thanks, yeah. Taylor. Yeah. <laughs> Bye. J.D., great to have uh, Taylor with us all year on the road. And uh, as I told her, you know, having someone in the ballpark uh, with us on the air is really important. And uh, as much as I love traveling, uh, was the other night sitting with you in our Wrigley Field home booth during a one-hour, 47-minute rain delay in Cincinnati. And I think we both agreed it was better being where we were than where the Cubs were. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it's it's surreal for sure, isn't it? We're up there, uh, me and you in, in the television booth, and then uh, four guys down in the radio booth, and uh, one support guy up there in case we have an issue. Um, and that's it. There's like seven people. We've got Wrigley all to ourselves. I imagine the fans are envious. Like, what a dream scenario to have, have Wrigley all to yourself. Um, and I'm with you. Yeah, nobody likes hanging out during rain delay in Cincinnati, although we have one every single time we go there. Yes, and I like Cincinnati, but it's the rain delay part that uh, I'm not necessarily a fan of. Uh, All right, Uh, any uh, admission this week? Uh, Anything gnawing at you or something that uh, tickles your fancy? Um, (laughs) No, not really, although I'm watching this highlight reel. You brought it up last night. We've got a Funkhauser in the big leagues now. Yeah. So anytime you can get a Funkhauser reference out there, that that's a good thing. Uh, but no, no, nothing's really gnawing at me, creating any real issues for me. I, I just I want to get your uh, feedback on as a play-by-play guy doing these remote broadcasts. What have you found challenging? It's it's a challenge. Uh, yeah, that was kind of where I was going uh, thinking about it. Um, I I think there are two ways to tackle this. And uh, I'm choosing the latter. Uh, the, the the first way would be to bemoan what we don't see and what we don't have. And we don't have enough angles. And I'm not at the park. And I don't know who's playing center field right now. 
that that's difficult. I think the other tack to take is this is a hell of a challenge. It's a unique situation that we've never faced and may never face again, and hopefully won't face again. And I wanna I wanna ace it, and so I'm kind of tackling it with the idea that it's going to be really fun and it has been fun. It hasn't been perfect. I've made some mistakes and uh, I, uh, you know, I, I pride myself, as you know, on uh, getting all the changes and where everybody is on the field. And so I've got to do some different things to, to make that work. But you know, what's been really helpful to me uh, and we've discussed on this very podcast about what we miss most about being at the ballpark, and that is all the relationships we have with people, not only with the Cubs, but with other teams. Uh, I've really relied on on those relationships that I've forged and, you know, using texting with the media relations people and other broadcasters who've been incredibly helpful to, to, to send a note to say, hey, just so you know, the third base umpire has changed. It's uh, this guy, not that guy. Or get a quick note from our buddy, Chris Welsh. Hey, we're going to be in a rain delay to start. Uh, so that part's been good that, uh, you know, all those relationships you've made over the years uh, come in handy in ways that you never anticipated, if that makes sense. Yeah, you're right. There's a kind of a community, a fraternity in the broadcast world. And um, I certainly miss seeing those guys, but you're right. I think everybody's leaning on each other, um, which is really cool. Really a spree de corps out there among everybody that does what we do. And the other part, the part of it that, that, that I uh, am really enjoying is the feedback we're getting from fans. Fans love to have the game back. And so whenever things get a little uncomfortable, you can't see something quite right, or it feels a little wonky. I always try to re- remind myself that the public service that the game is providing, uh, giving people an opportunity to, to kick back and watch a ball game. Yeah. And uh, we were joking the other night about, um, I think you said David Ross has a little anxiety right now. And I said, well, baseball anxiety is better than real anxiety, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Cubs anxiety is okay. We lost a ball game. You know, the, the, the world is ending. Yeah. Yeah. But that's so the way much. it goes when uh, you're such a fan of this team. Uh, we want to uh, give a special thanks, as always, to Max Berman, Joe Rios, Matt Romito, Daniel Green, Big Jim Oboikowicz, Shane McGuire, Adam Sobel, or Jim Deshays. I'm Len Casper. And make sure you subscribe, rate, review, and share this podcast with your friends. And we will have a guest next week, uh, back to normal, so to speak. But we'll do this every now and again just to. Uh, catch everybody up on our thoughts on the world. We'll see you next week on Open Concessions presented by Toyota.